I'm on campus, I often get asked a question, particularly by Muslims. And the question I often get asked is, if you guys, if you Christians believe you're saved, you're forgiven already, well, what's to keep you from sinning all the time? And I must say that this is a fair question for them to ask for a couple reasons. Number one, they come to our country and they see people who claim to be Christian living wild lives, living lives of sin all the time. And to be honest, it's kind of shocking. This week, I had more than one Muslim tell me they wish Christians lived more like Christians. Or they even said, if you're not going to convert to Islam, which they prefer, of course, they wished people would, more people in America would be Christian because the amount of sin that they see on the college campus, especially amongst people who say they are Christian people and have religion, it really disturbs them, really bothers them, and fairly so. And so I would say that not only do they misunderstand the greater motivation of what I'm going to share today, but I wonder how many Christians misunderstand it. I wonder how many Christians think that because God has forgiven me, it doesn't matter how I live. And this is what they call we call taking advantage of the grace of God or turning the grace of God into an excuse to sin. Licentiousness would be the word used. Well, let's look at some of what the scripture does say here. In, in John 5, verse 24, Jesus does establish something. And by the way, this is taught all throughout the New Testament. He says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but has passed out of death into life. Notice this, he says, you currently have eternal life. You're not going to get it someday in the future, but rather you have it now. And you have currently passed tense. You've already passed out of death and passed into life. And so this is the good news. This establishes what we're talking about. Christianity, the Bible doesn't teach that eternal life is only something for the future. It's something we begin when we come to Christ. You and I, if you have Christ, I we have eternal life now. That's good news. It's not something we wait for pie, pie in the sky by and by. It's something we begin living now. We're alive now. We want to live that way. And this means that we, having passed out of death into judgment, out of judgment into life, excuse me, that we won't, that our sins are gone. Scripture says they're buried in the deepest sea. They're separated as far as east is from the west. God has chosen to remember our sins no more. We're made holy. We're forgiven. We, our sins are gone. So, yeah, they got a good question. Why not go ahead and sin all the time? If I'm forgiven, why not do it? And of course, this reveals a different a motivation that most religions, Islam, many Christian religions, other religions, many Christian denominations stress, and that is you don't sin because you're afraid of being punished. Fear is a powerful motivation. Fear can control people. Your fear of failing a test, of course, you're going to study. Your fear of losing your job, you're going to get there on time and work hard. Your fear of going hungry, you get a job, you know, whatever. 
Fear of going to hell? I won't do this sin. I'll avoid this sin because I don't want to go to hell. Fear is a powerful, powerful motivation. And it is one used in Islam. It's one used in many religions. But there's another, uh, there's another motivation that's even more powerful. What could that be? In 1 John 4, verses 18 and 19, we read this. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves punishment. And the one who fears is not perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. I'd like to suggest that as wonderful, as as powerful of a motivation as fear is, there's a greater motivation, and that's love. Why should a person live a righteous, holy life? Why should a person avoid sin? Well, if you don't have a higher motivation, fear is a good one. But there is a higher one, and that is love. And as Christians, we are to be motivated by the love of God by the gratitude that we would have in the recognition that God has given us the greatest gift imaginable. Christ died for our sins. God has forgiven us our sins. That is not to engender within us an attitude of, oh, great, I can go party now and it's okay. God knows I'm a sinner and he loves me anyway. I'm so special. I can do whatever I want. That's not what it's supposed to do but rather it's supposed to develop within us gratitude, a gratitude and a love that would say, I want to please the one who gave me such a wonderful gift. I want to please the one who died for me. I want to please him. I, I want to make him happy. I want to show my love. I love because he first loved me. His love has conquered me. You know, we talk a lot about Christians, and this is it's not a religion, it's a relationship with God. Well, you know, that word relationship really doesn't show up in the Bible that I'm aware of. If it is, it's not very common. I don't know that I've ever seen a scripture that says we have a relationship with God. Now, we do. What the scripture says is that God loves us, and we love him because he loved us. It's not saying God and I are cool. I'm okay with the man upstairs. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, I receive the love of God. He loves me and I love him back. And how do I show my love for God? Jesus said, he who has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. The one who loves me should be loved by my father. I will love him and will disclose myself to him. John 14, verse 21. Indeed, this relationship, this greater than religion relationship that we have is a relationship of love. That's the word. It's not we're just cool. It's love. And we show our love for God by obedience to God. Paul understood this. Paul knew what this, this was all about. In, in uh, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 14, he says this, for the love of Christ controls us. Having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. This is what life is about. This is why knowing we're forgiven, knowing we're loved, knowing we're going to heaven, this is why it controls us. If all you have is religion, legalism, You're controlled by fear. 
You're not controlled by the love of God. You're controlled by fear. This is what sets true Christianity and grace apart from other religions. We're controlled by the love of Christ. We conclude the Son of God died for me. Wow. I ought to live for him. I ought to let what what he did for me should engender and create in me such love that it actually controls me. Everything I do, it controls me. This is why we can preach forgiveness. My Christian friend, if you hear about God's forgiveness and it causes you to think more lightly of sin, like it doesn't really matter and I can do it and God's okay with it, you've missed the message. The message is he loves us. He's given us the greatest gift ever, all designed to create in us a response of love and gratitude. God wants that relationship with you. He wants it. That's why he loves you. And he gave us Christ. And he shares, gives us the gospel to create within us a response of love and gratitude. Amen? Let's pray about this. Father in heaven, We thank you for the great gift of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. What a wonderful thing you've given us. You've given us eternal life. We've passed from death to life. We've passed from judgment. We won't come into judgment, but have passed from death to life. We thank you that you've forgiven all of our sins, buried in in the deepest sea, made us holy, blameless in your sight. What a gift. Father, I pray I pray for each one of us. Don't let us take that gift for granted. Don't let us trash your kindness and mercy by thinking that that, that's, this is now a license to do whatever we want. You've done what you've done to win our hearts. You gave us Christ. Jesus, you died for us. You demonstrated your love so that we might love you in return. I thank you, Father. You really do desire our heart. You want this relationship with us. And indeed, this is what we want to res- how we want to respond. And so I pray for everyone here, Father. Give us a greater understanding of the gospel, of the cross, of the price you paid, and might it create within us a great love. I pray we'd be lovers of God. And it would be our deep, deep, deep desire to please you in everything we do and say and think. We thank you. You've cast out the fear, but fill us with love, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Hey, I love this message. This has become one of my favorite messages to give because it's become one of the driving motivations of my life. The love of Christ controlling us. How awesome is that? I want to thank you for joining me today. If you're new, a special welcome. We come here every single morning at 8.30 a.m. live Eastern time. But you can watch later in the day or you can listen on the Apple, Spotify, or Google platforms. Just search for Tom the Preacher. But you know I want to encourage you, get in the Word every day. If you're not having a meaningful time where you're growing every single day, put this in your schedule. Don't just happenstance, but put it in your schedule whether at 8.30 or noon or 3 o'clock or whenever, plan on watching. Allow me to have the opportunity to help you grow day by day by day. It'll make a difference in your life, and that's what we want to see happen. Amen? I love you guys. So glad to have you along. We'll look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Bye-bye.